All right, here we go. On the first Sunday morning in April, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Staples of the show, our social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. Uh, Spencer's helping us out from his home in Pahrump. Under the weather today and producing the show, Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and chiming in on a number of other shows at Lotus Broadcasting as well, he also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network and the host of the UNLV football pre-pregame show on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights got three points in three games last week and continue to boast the best record in the Pacific Conference. UNLV's football team wraps up spring practice this week, and the Rebels' new head coach, Barry Odom, will be joining the show to let us know how the team is looking and what we can expect to see this fall. March Madness has without question lived up to its name in both the men's and women's tournaments, and believe it or not, the Mountain West Conference will be represented in the national championship game Tomorrow night. Still can't believe I'm saying that. And Las, the Las Vegas Aviators opened their season a couple of days ago with two losses. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. And uh, they opened their home opener is this Tuesday night. Uh, get your tickets, man, available down to go see the uh, Las Vegas Aviators at the most beautiful minor league facility in the country, the Las Vegas Ballpark. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options in the state. Chris, I'm amazed I even made it through that. I'm tired, man. But, you know, I got to tell you something. Uh, this this past weekend and week, you know, so much going on with March Madness. We've had one of the coolest uh, tournaments we've had in a while. Um, maybe not the most compelling Final Four when you look at it up front, but uh, overall and what's happening with the Mountain West being there, it's really cool. And then you have all these concerts coming to town. I think you had Maroon 5 here in town, and you've got the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which, uh, of course, I went to last night. I've got permission I could say it. You know, Chad Smith is a, is a friend of mine from high school. We, we uh, I'd say I, I 
think I met Chad. I was 14 years old when I met Chad, and uh, he used to him and his band. Well, but once once or twice played in my basement in Michigan, and uh, um, just always an incredible drummer, as good as it gets. And you just knew something was going to become of it. And he was in town, and I got to give you credit, you know. So I I message I message Chris uh, the other night, and I say, hey, you know, I'm going to dinner with Chad and another buddy and uh, my buddy's wife tonight. We went somewhere kind of low key, but something really good. And he recommended Raku in uh, Chinatown off of Spring Mountain. And I got to tell you something, I don't mind giving them a free plug because um, I'd never had like authentic Japanese cuisine. And Chris, you know, of course, uh, his wife from the Far East, he has been over there several, several times, lived over there for a while and eaten all kinds of cuisine. And he endorsed this place saying, you've got to check it out. It's unique. It's good. Yes, it's expensive. But at the end of the day, it's easy to swallow the bill after you swallowed all that food. <laughs> so uh, really, really good stuff, Chris. And um, I'm tired. That's that's. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, that that Raku place, by the way. So um, my my wife actually, the, the the owner is a client of my wife's company. So when I told her that the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was in there on Friday night and he really enjoyed it, she said, "I don't know who they are, but I'm going to tell him." And uh, so so kind of funny, right? Like the the one thing, like my wife, she she. She, she she grew up in Japan, so she's not really hip to a lot of stuff that's that's you know very popular here when it comes to pop culture and music. I mean, she knew when I played some of the songs, she she knew who they were, but she's like, oh wow, she's like, I I know who that band is, I know the songs, but uh, yeah, Raku uh, again, free plug. That place is dynamite. Um, I've I've been in there a couple times and never never been disappointed. Now the guy owns a sweets or a dessert place. Right down the street, uh, St. Plaza, actually, I think. And it's, if you just want, like, dessert. I'm going there. I'm going to try it, that now. It's a show. It's I'm going to try that now. I'll tell you what, man. Um, Like you said, uh, it was a show. We ended up getting the sampler, which is expensive, but you get to try a little bit of everything. And other than the uni, which we talked about, the uni, uh, which is sea urchin, they still do it up in a different way, put some salmon roe on it, rice. I'm just not a fan. To me, it reminds me of the bottom of a swamp. But, <laughs> but I mean, realistically, it's a delicacy in Japan, and I, I think they, they do it a little bit better over there, but it's expensive. What's funny about uni is... Is when you ask Japanese people what kind of sushi or sashimi they order, that's always near the top of the list. And I can tell you, Brian, from having been in Japan and and having nice meals in Japan. I mean, my in laws took me to to or took me and my wife. I should not just me, but they took us to a um, kaiseki meal, which is I mean, if it's it's like an art show that you get to eat basically. And and after eating uni in Japan, I refuse to eat it here. I was never crazy about it, but once you eat it there and then you come here and you eat it, it's really not the same. So you it's, realize it's not terrible when it's done completely properly. No, it's still it's still pretty terrible, yeah. but you don't want to insult your in-laws. Well, I'll bet, so. I'll bet, I'll bet Raku's <laughs> version of it is I'm sure probably it's similar I'm sure to Japan. I'm sure it's Japan's. really good, yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't as pungent, but that's the best word I can use to describe it. Yeah, I mean, That's it's, not the thing you order at an all-you-can-eat no, sushi because and, you're probably not and, getting the freshest. And if you want and, to impress a date that is not very familiar or adventurous when it comes to sushi, trust me, that's the last thing you want to order 
your date will. She might even order an Uber right then and bounce yeah, or on you. Stick stick to the basics when, yeah. when you're doing that. But 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 in all seriousness, from the Kobe beef they cook on stones. I mean, I can't even go through it. As a matter of fact, I'll post on Facebook later. I took a picture of most of the dishes, and I'll post that on my personal Facebook page later on. But really good stuff. But again, it was just a really cool evening. Great recommendation by you. I'm glad as hell we went. And it's just cool sitting around the other night, talking to my buddy who I remember in high school. Really good athlete. Was a hockey goaltender. Could play basketball and was a pretty damn good pitcher in baseball. And we're talking about sports. He's asked me. We're talking about the Lions. And I'm trying to be optimistic because he's a big Lions fan. And he knows <laughs> he knows my background. So we were talking about all that stuff. But we're sitting there thinking. And Spencer's showing some of the video right now if you're checking it out of uh, Flea come running on stage at the beginning. I mean, it was pretty cool being backstage and seeing them and uh, watching the show. And But we were sitting there and, you know, me and Heftier, Chad like goes to the bathroom. We look at each other like, can you believe like our good buddy is like maybe one of the top three drummers in the world. And I mean, people might even argue that he's the best drummer in alive right now, but he's definitely in that discussion. When you talk about the best drummers around today, Chad Smith would have to be part of that discussion. And Chris, for me being a friend and stuff, it's not so much starstruck. I'm just so proud of him. You know, you know me and the person I am. And this is a guy that just started playing the drums when he was knee high to a toadstool. <laughs> and that was his whole mission in life was to accomplish what he's doing. And everyone sets out with these goals and dreams. You want to be a baseball player. You wanted this. He wanted to be a rock and roll drummer. And that was his goal in life. And hell, man, I don't think you could do it any better than Chad has done. And I am so incredibly proud of him. And the person he has remained through all this is a really cool thing, too. Yeah, that, that's super cool. And, and, you know, I mean, one of the biggest bands in the world. Like, you think about bands from the 80s and 90s and how many of them are, are still around and, and have the, the pull that a band like the Chili Peppers has. And there's not a lot, you know, like maybe Metallica. Well, obviously Metallica still has the pull. And, yeah. and you know, there, there's some some other bands, ACDC. And, you know, I know they're having this big festival in, in Indio with, with all these legends of, of metal. But, like, when it comes to bands that, like, my kid listens to or your kids listen to, that when we were younger guys who we listen to, there's not a, there's like, at least like with they me, they really, it's a great analogy yeah. because they cross generations. Yeah. Like, like for, for me growing up, like my old father, my, my old man, he was a big classic rock guy. So like, I grew up listening to Pink Floyd, the who Eric Clapton, and I can still listen to them today because I, I, I still think the music is really good, but like, there's not a lot of bands from when I was like Pearl jam is, is one. And, yeah. and obviously Nirvana will always forever, have a a place in music history but a lot of the music from like the, the 80s and 90s it, it, it doesn't translate you know, to today no, but they, they have the staying power of the great old bands the led zeppelin yes, the rolling yes. stones and, that, and, and to be and, held in that regard oh my god it's on like i said you know what was so cool chris for me you know my daughter my daughter she, she was so pissed off because i told her age i'm gonna say it on the air again my daughter turns 29 um in, a, in about a week and a half and um, so I took her to the show. You know, she got, she had never met Chad before. She went with me in August, but they were still at the very end of their COVID protocol where Anthony Kiedis and Flea could not get COVID. So we kind of had to keep our distance from Chad and all that. So she didn't get to meet him at that one. But I took her this time knowing specifically she would get the opportunity to meet Chad. And um, 
But we're standing backstage, Chris, and I'm watching her watch the concert. And she is singing to, like, every song of the Chili Peppers. And it gave me goosebumps to think, wow. You know, I was listening to these guys before she was even a thought in my head. Yeah, She's 29 now, and she knows, like, every song. Maybe was more into it than even I was, you know? what's, What's cool about those guys is... I, I like the old stuff, like the the funk when they were when they were covering like Stevie Wonder and and doing higher ground yeah. and and, but like a lot like Madonna, they continue to reinvent themselves yep. and put out good music. You know that's hard to do, you know, and I think that's why a lot of bands don't have the the, the staying power, right? Because they don't rein reinvent themselves. Yeah, to a degree. and and the yeah. Chili Peppers continue yeah. to like. I mean, I remember the the Woodstock ninety nine when, like, when they had the giant light bulbs oh, yeah. on their head. You know that that they had those <laughs> in the old Hard Rock Hotel here. They you had know, those are, outfits. There are certain songs that you one hundred percent can say, okay, that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But then there's other songs like who is that? That's the Chili Peppers. They have different sounds. It's not yeah. like you know a great old band when I was a kid, and you still hear their music played today. And I loved them. I went and saw them in concert, but Boston, every song sounded the exact same. The same beat the same type of rhythm and as great as ACDC and Van Halen are you can tell when they play who they are not that it's bad it's really good but the Chili Peppers do change their sound they do reinvent themselves to stay with the times they have some really hard stuff I mean give it away will never go away it'll never it'll never not be under the bridge and that was the one thing before I get off the air I have to tell you this I mean before we move on under the bridge speaking to that song so it was really cool before the show Chad emails or or texts my buddy Jeff the song list of the, the, the songs that are going to play in order the way they're going to play them. Yeah, yeah. And so Jeff, of course, immediately forwards that to me. He's like, look, because I said to Chad when we were at dinner, I'm like, listen, everyone that I talked to that had been the show, that had been to the show, said basically the same thing. They love the show, but everyone was surprised. And I even heard a couple of people say it on different radio stations. They were surprised they didn't play Under the Bridge in, their, in August. So I told Chad that, and he's like, really? I'm like, no, seriously, people complain. Like, they love the show. It's not that. You guys yeah. are freaking amazing. But you didn't play Under the Bridge, and, you know, I understand that might be your biggest hit, and you don't want to keep harping on that, but it's your biggest hit because people love it. So so you play your biggest hit. So I told him that, and, I, and he said he was going to tell Flea because Flea makes up the, the list and the way they're going to do it. And he sent the list, and there it was, right at the bottom on their encores. It was, uh, they were, they were going to play Under the Bridge, followed by Give It Away. And then all of a sudden, they do an encore that wasn't the Under the Bridge, and then they do Give It Away. I'm like, oh, they must have switched around because Chad, Hefty Jeff said they do switch it up occasionally. And they didn't play it again. I wonder if Flea just rebelled when he heard, look, Vegas is pissed. Watch this. I'm not going to do it again. You know, that's, like a typical I, that's rock actually, and roll type of guy. That's actually kind of funny because I saw Depeche Mode on Thursday. I thought because of me they're going to play it. I was telling yeah. my buddies, you watch, they're going to play it. And they, don't, they put it on the list and don't play it. It's, it's funny, right? Because I, like, I, I went to T-Mobile and saw Depeche Mode on Thursday. And they didn't play two of their biggest hits. But, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times, like, Bands. Uh, well, look, you want to uh, promote the more newer stuff. Yeah, yeah. You but want you people, got. I just think everyone's got every band kind of. I, has I never would have known song until like, you said it that Flea is the guy who makes the set list. Yeah, he makes the set list. He tells them where they're going to play. And Cause the funny he, thing because I, I would have thought for sure it was Kiedis. But. You, you might have no Kiedis. Kiedis, uh, you know, Flea is really Flea is the Chili Peppers. I mean, he is the rock and the foundation. Yeah, Kiedis is kind of right next to him. And then you know, years ago, what got Chad into the band? The original guitar player died of a heroin overdose. 
overdose. His best friend was the drummer, yeah. and the drummer quit the band right after that. And so they were left with two holes in the band. Kiedis and Flea stayed together. Yeah, they, they, they got John, the guitarist, who is probably one of the greatest oh, he's, guitarists. He's incredible. He yeah, un- yeah. Flea is, without question to me, the number one bassist in the entire world. He, he's certainly in the discussion. Yeah, yes. I mean, they're awesome. And, and John is right up there, and Chad is right up there. And Kiedis has a different style of singing, but he's a perfect fit for the Chili Peppers and what they do. Yeah. And um, I just got to say, I'm going to leave it at this. I know it's a sports show, but, you know, hey, Chad was an athlete. You know, it was funny. I said last thing I'll say. Last thing I'll say about it again. So our friend Brian, who went to the show with me also, asked Chad last night when we're just before we all part and they go to do the show because he comes backstage and hangs out with us for a while, takes some pictures, you know, and all that stuff. And he goes, who was your favorite goalie? Because I had let Brian know Chad was a goaltender. He played goalie in high school. He was a goalie. And um, he said, Tony Esposito. And I was like, I almost fell off my chair. I thought for sure it was going to be like Dominic Hasek, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Chris Osgood. I know Osgood's not one of the greatest of all times, but he's got a cup with the wings. But I thought he would say maybe Dominic Hasek and um, maybe even, oh, I can't think of his name right now, Mike Vernon, you know, who also won a cup with the wings. And it was Phil Esposito had never had anything to do with the Detroit Red Wings in his career. And I was really surprised by it. But it shows you that Chad's sports knowledge, like I told Brian, he knows sports, man. He loves sports. He's always been an athlete type of guy. Most drummers are athletes. you got to be an athlete to play the drums pretty much. But it was pretty pretty cool when he said Tony Esposito. I would have never guessed that. Listen, we're way past due. Spence, go ahead and hit it. Let's do, let's do a nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, well, the puck has been uh, rolling for the the um, Vegas Golden Knights for a while now. This week, maybe not indicative of the way they played since the All-Star break, but hey, last night they broke out against a team that has kind of shocked everyone since the All-Star break, like the Vegas Golden Knights. This team has shot up the standings, and all of a sudden the Minnesota Wild are leading the Central Division in the Pacific Conference, and it's kind of surprising. It's our, old, our old buddy, Marc-Andre Fleury, has decided to start standing up and saying no again, and I'm not too old. He didn't look great against the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought one or two of the goals he might have maybe stopped them, but I haven't been watching him much this year other than when the Knights played him. This is the first time and only time they'll play him at T-Mobile Arena this year, so we haven't really got a chance to see him. I wasn't there last night. I was at the Chili Peppers, as you know, so I didn't get to see it other than the highlights, but Marc-Andre Fleury doing it again and getting another opportunity with a team that is among the leaders of the Pacific Conference and a team that you know that they very well could end up running up against at some point in the postseason, which would be kind of funny. But I, I was worried about last night's game coming off of that bad overtime loss to the San Jose Sharks so quick. You didn't have time to go up and get yourself a snack in overtime and that game was over, but at least the Vegas Golden Knights picked up a point from going into overtime and losing it there. But I thought, Chris, I was worried after that game and and then you've got a team like Minnesota who has just been, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like the twilight zone of this team has just shot up. I think they, they, I think uh, I heard they had one regulation loss. If uh, Let me see what, what it was. In the it, last six weeks. In the last six weeks. It's unbelievable yeah. that this team has just all of a sudden become one of they, the best they, teams. They beat the Colorado Avalanche the other night yeah. in Denver. Yeah, it's, un, it's unreal what they're doing, Chris. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a good team. And, you know, the funny thing is Flurry's not, I, I don't even know if he's, 
the number one goalie anymore. Gustafson is. Gustafson is, 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 I think, is, is their star. You know, but, but Flurry still plays a lot, Chris. He played yeah. the last two games, and it, it's a good problem to have for the Wild. But you know, the funny, the funny thing is, they're doing all this. They haven't had Kirill Kaprizov for three weeks, and they're still. It's unreal. You know, but Matt Boldy has stepped up, and he, he of course scored a goal last night. I don't uh, know what has gotten into them. It's like I said, it's like the twilight well, zone. Good, good, good team with a, with a good with coach, a good coach. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it makes a big difference. Now the question is, can they do it when when it matters most? And you know, I mean that that division is going to be a dogfight, much like. Well, on top of that, you know, it's just like, it's what's, like what's crazy is we we've, we've got the Golden Knights, L.A. Kings, Edmonton Oilers, and then you go over there, and you've got the Dallas Stars, Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, six teams that are all really really good teams. And you have no idea who's going to be the number one seed. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think the number no matter, one seed is going to be from the Pacific Division, but no, no, nothing Pacific, is set. You mean from the, the, the number one seed? From, oh, uh, oh, yeah, in the Western the Conference. Western yeah, yeah. Conference, obviously yeah. the Boston Bruins are yeah. going to be the, yeah. the President's Cup winners. Yeah, but. I think there's three teams still with more points than the Vegas Golden Knights. And even with the L.A. Kings. Yeah, I, uh, Carolina, only, New Jersey, and And I think Boston. L.A. is one point behind us right now. No, L.A. is... Two, two points back, but that we've got a game in hand, or I should say the Golden Knights have one actually, game in hand. Actually, on them. I think Edmonton is two because I, I have to double check. I, ha, I I didn't look, but um, yeah, you know, I'm I, taking a look right now. The Golden and, Knights, uh, I know you're right. Edmonton, Edmonton is in second. They're 99 points, and the Kings are with 98 points. And I was wrong. It is Edmonton. The Knights have a game in hand on the Edmonton yeah, they, Oilers, and they're two points back at 99 points. That game in hand is huge. A huge game. Well, I mean, the Golden Knights have a, have a pretty big week coming up. Yep. Because they go to Minnesota, they're, they're going to be traveling today, they'll play the Wild tomorrow night, and then they play the National Predators, who basically aren't really playing for much. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They have a, they have an outside chance, but then Thursday night, you got the LA Kings coming here, then the Golden Knights, you know, there's next week at this time, we, we'll probably have a better picture of of what what the, 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 the playoff uh, matchup is going to be, but Brian, the Edmonton Oilers are not going away. No, they're not, Chris. And, and now that game in hand, as you mentioned, is huge. It is, but you know, I was going to say, and, and I, you can elaborate on this too. You know, we went the other night. We we had a run from the NIT uh, championship game, or it wasn't it? Was the semifinals, right? Yeah, the semifinals. UAB we ran, and uh, Utah. Uh, yeah, and we ran, yeah. and we missed a hell of a basketball game that went to overtime, and almost you know Utah Valley and uh, and UAB turned out to be a hell of a game. But we both ran over to see because we, you know, when Connor McDavid is playing, you know, that is to me like when Wayne Gretzky was playing. You don't miss those games. This guy is a truly special talent. And the funny thing is, is Leon Dreisaitl, his his line mate, would be the number one player on probably 60 to 70%, maybe 80% of the teams in the National League. I, 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 I think he, you can make the case he's the second best player in the NHL. Could be. And, and, and it's unfortunate because they can't. Well, it's fortunate for everyone else in the league that there's only two of them in one line with them, so they can't be on the ice all the time. Yeah. Because, Chris, when I was watching them against the Golden Knights, the other night. I mean, I don't know how they don't win every game. I mean, there was times... Well, they, don't, don't, they don't have a good goalie, so so that helps. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. But, but I mean, my God, these two guys, I mean, it, and, and it's not just the two of them. They've got they've got over three guys that have scored over 30 goals on that team. Maybe four guys that have scored 30 Well, they, they're going to have three guys with 100 points. Nugent yes. Hopkins is going to get Unbelievable. He has been incredible this season. I mean, he, he may have already hit it, but, you know, I, I have to think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to end up with 100 points. Zach Hyman's going to have 
35, 35 goals. 35 goals. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the the team, Darnell Nurse is really good. Uh, you know, the, the one saving grace for a lot for of God teams sakes, is— they got Evander Kane, Yeah, is, is that mean, Evander Kane is, is hurt. Yeah. Or he was hurt for a, a large portion yeah, of the season. Right. He's, He's back, back now, now, which is the worst. But, but Brian, Connor McDavid has 84 assists, 146 points. He's going to clearly end up with 150 points. And he could get 60 goals. I mean, it, he it, could. It's, 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 it's ridiculous to think. I mean, you, you look at Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman's got 34 goals right now. He's got 80 points. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 97 in most years, Drysidle would be would be running away with the and points at this total, point with and those he's twenty six behind. He's got one hundred and twenty points, and he's one hundred and twenty, or and he's twenty six points behind McDavid. It's, like, it's, it's unbelievable. McDavid's shadow when you are that good, like he is by far and away, he's doubled what any Golden Knight has done, and he's the second best player on their team. And like Chris said, arguably the second best player in the league. And one of the really cool things also about Leon Drysidle that I like is you know he's a good interview after the game. He came out and last time I remember him being dry. This time he was a good interview. He, he stayed and accommodated the media, but what I really liked about it is, you know, he had a little bit of joking around with him, but then you look at this guy on the ice and not only is he prolific point achiever with assists and goals, the guy also is a physical player. You know, with him on the ice with McDavid, if somebody messes with Connor McDavid, the guy that's going to come in and enforce it is Leon Dreisaitl, who they can't afford to lose, yeah, but a, he, he likes to mix it up. He, he, he He's a bigger guy, 6'2", I think over 200 pounds, so he's a, he's a bigger guy, uh, and you, you certainly aren't going to be pushing Leon around. Uh, the pass he made on the Evander Kane goal was absolutely oh my God. It, it, it was it was one of the prettiest things you're, you're ever going to see in an it NHL was. game like the guy is he, he's kind of built like Fred Flintstone a little bit but he's like a ballerina on the ice like he he's is. so good when they, you know it's an overused cliche when you talk to about certain sports but watching the two of them is poetry in motion I mean they really are electrifying and a lot of fun to watch but back to the Golden Knights again uh, um, you know rolling on and wrapping up this segment um, you know, Laurent Brossois has played great. I'm not sure. We haven't seen Jonathan Quick since he got taken out of the game at the end of the second period. He probably goes tomorrow night. I think so, too. I think they but have the it last set up two to, games, where, to where Quick will play Los Angeles on Thursday night. So that And that's a really smart that's a, move. That's appointment television. You know we'll both be there yeah, for that yeah. one. I'm psyched about that. But, you know, Jonathan Quick, again, like Marc-Andre Fleury, yes, over the hill. You don't like to say that, but you have to be realistic. But they still have gas in the tank, and they're still great to have on your team, especially as you approach the postseason, because again, the level of play and especially the speed of the game, you don't think hockey can get any faster. If you've been watching hockey and you're a fan for a long time, go to a postseason game, sit close to the ice, you will see a different level, and you have to be able to play at that level, and the Golden Knights, again, only have one goaltender with any playoff experience, and that's the guy they just picked up, Jonathan Quick. Huge for them, huge for the city, and believe me, they are going to need Jonathan Quick in net at times if they're going to make a run at a Stanley Cup. This week, tough week for uh, the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Tomorrow, they're at Minnesota. I'm in a home-and-home home series with them. Then Tuesday, they're at Nashville, a team who's fighting for that last playoff spot, and they won last night. And then they're back home Thursday again. They'll play, be playing the L.A. Kings. And then on Saturday, on the road again, they go to Dallas. Four games this week. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. Six games to go in the regular season. 
I know that it's not decided yet. I think the Golden Knights are going to hang on and do it. And, hey, this is pretty crazy. They could end up, it's possible still, Chris, they could end up with 50 wins this year. And that, that they have to win five of their last six games. or you know get, But that is pretty incredible when you consider the season. I think they're going to win not just the Pacific Division, which is I think they're going to win that. I think they're going to win the Western Conference. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the postseason. Anything can happen in the postseason. We, President's Cups winners very rarely win the Stanley Cup, which is crazy. All right, let's move on. I want to get right to the next segment. We have the coach, uh, the new head coach of UNLV, the run, the, the, not the running Rebels. They are just the Rebels. Barry Odom, excited. Uh, Chris, we got a brief chance to meet him a little while ago in a lunch that they had. Um, you know, out here it was kind of a, a quiet thing, but I was unbelievably impressed. I think you were too. We walked out of there really enjoying what we heard. A person that came at us real, no, no unrealistic expectations. Just, just saying, forging ahead and expectations of his own that exceed anything we're going to have of UNLV. Um, Coach Barry Odom, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks, hey, great. Hey, really, really, ha- ha- really, really happy you took the time. I know you're going through spring practice now. You got a little bit less than a week. Culminates next Saturday, this coming Saturday, with the uh, inter squad game at, at uh, T-Mobile, or T-Mobile at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Looking forward to that, Coach. Where are you guys at right now? How are you feeling about the squad? Well, I'm so excited uh, about the progress that this group has made. You know, you get you get 15 opportunities during the spring on, on the field, 15 practices. So uh, we'll finish this next week with a great Tuesday practice. On Thursday, we've structured it. We go Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays, and that that fits for us uh, because on non-practice days, we're still able to get meeting time and in the weight room, which is so important to the the foundational approach of of building this program. Um, But our kids have, I think we've made a lot of strides in the positive direction from, from day one to where we are going into the last week. I think there's always lessons, situational football that you can spend time teaching on that we need, but then also just the development of what each position looks like from offensive line to wide receiver to defensive back. And then you try to find the best uh, best 11 in each spot, and then you move on and develop your depth. So our kids have, have been really uh, open and they've wanted to be coached, which is awesome. Uh, they're hungry to be good. Uh, they want to make progress. It's important to them. And uh, myself and my coaching staff, uh, we're very, very honored and thankful to be in Las Vegas and have the opportunity to lead this program. Yeah, you know, we're we're looking forward to seeing what's what's ahead. Um, you know, UNLV football, we, it's, no, it's no secret. It's struggled for many seasons now. Defense has been a perennial problem for this team over the past couple of years. I know you come with that type of mind being a former college middle linebacker, but Coach, when you when you got the call from UNLV to come here, knowing that it has been a difficult sell to students, maybe because it is Las Vegas, you know, you think that would be an appeal. But again, they're not coming here to gamble. They're coming here to go to school. And the campus is kind of spread out before when, when, they, when the games were played out at Sam Boyd Stadium way off campus. That wasn't great. Now they're playing at one of the nicest, most state-of-the-art facilities in the country, maybe in the world when it comes to professional football. It's a great opportunity, but you get that opportunity, you know, that UNLV has struggled and it's going to be a challenge. What were your thoughts and what made you make that final decision to come here? You know, Brian, that's a great question. And I look at, and I, and I followed UNLV here the last few years, um, but, I, but I look at, and I, I, I want to be judged on what we've done since we've been here. And I, I don't know why there's been struggles. I, I refuse to believe that we can't go win a championship. Uh, there's too many things in place. This is the sports mecca of the world. 
as you mentioned in Allegiant Stadium, it's the finest football facility in, in all the country that we get an opportunity to play in. The Fertitta Football Complex is is unbelievable on the experience for our student athletes. I think we have tremendous leadership with Eric Harper as our athletics director, uh, Dr. Whitfield as the president of the university. Uh, there's alignment there in the vision on what we want our program to be. And um, I, I have a strong belief and conviction that we can go do that. I think anything that a student athlete wants to achieve in being a college football player, we're going to get done here. Uh, we've got a, a, playing in a great conference. We've got a tremendous platform uh, that we get to write our own story. And the one thing about this job, I looked at it, I want to leave my legacy here because I think that can be done. I think we've got an opportunity to build it. I think we got the pieces in place and now the urgency on making sure that we do all the things and our habits align with what that looks like. Uh, that's the challenge and something competitively that I've that I've embraced. UNLV is wide open to have a legacy left here. The last coach that I think that people talk about here was Harvey Hyde, and that's years and years ago. So it's been a long time. You know, the former co-host of my show up for, for, for a couple of years uh, is Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV, the last quarterback actually to take UNLV to a bowl game when they played in the Heart of Dallas Bowl, you know, I think back in like 2013 or 14. It's been a minute. And, you know, he said, I said, what was the issue, you know, coming to UNLV? Because he had made it clear that UNLV was one of the only places that really recruited him where he was looking at going besides going be, starting off JUCO. And he said the problem with that he said here was kind of what I had said before, that it just doesn't feel like a college campus sometime because you got the rigmarole of Las Vegas surrounding it. And it's been tough. And then, of course, you know, with UNLV basketball hasn't been what they were. They established this, uh, this mystique, and it, it just hasn't been there. But I said to him, I go, Caleb, but now you've got Allegiant Stadium. The Fertitta Center is one of the nicest facilities in the country that you can show to students, student athletes when they come to look at this place at any sport. It is a beautiful facility, and you've got this incredible stadium now. I said that's got to add something to it. So what do you say, Coach, when you sit down in a, in a, in a family room with a student and their parents, and they, you know if they have any idea of the history of UNLV football, how do you overcome maybe the negative stereotypes, and what do you say to get them to come to UNLV? Well, the great thing that I've learned since being here, when I took the job, I thought Las Vegas was going to be this you know, huge city, uh, but I've been there three months, and now it's condensed down and seems like a small community to me in the, in the fact that uh, UNLV is, is a, there is a campus. The, the challenge that we have had, uh, that we've embraced, is we've got to get kids on campus along with their, their mom, their high school coach, their dad, whoever it is, uh, we've got to get them on campus to show them what we have to experience and they can see it in their own eyes, uh, give them hope, vision and belief on how we're going to do it. And then when they see it, you know, we've got everything in the world here. There's only one Vegas, as, as we all know, but we also understand that to be a great college football player and a student athlete, we've got a great, uh, tremendous plan on how we're going to graduate our kids, how we're going to be involved in the city and then athletically what it looks like on the field. And you take that and it's an educational piece on once you step on campus, what it looks like and what the next three, four or five years are going to look like for you. And once we get kids on campus, which we've had over a thousand prospects on our campus since we started in January, they're leaving with a different site and a different vision on what UNLV is and what we're going to be. Mentioning, you mentioned Coach Hyde. I had him on camp. He came and visited uh, one of our practices and what, what a great opportunity yeah. to him and uh, just a tremendous guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, hey, yeah. Coach. Um, 
quick question about local talent. I've been in Vegas long enough to have seen Steven Jackson get away. I've been here long enough to see DeMarco Murray get away. I know one of the big things that you're focusing on is keeping local talent, because there is a lot of it here in Vegas, in the city and getting them on campus at UNLV. So what's your? how, how do you go about convincing local kids that this is the place that they want to play? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's, you know, there's 36, as we look at it, there's 36 high schools in the city. And we've got to be in every opportunity that the recruiting calendar goes open and live, we're going to be in those schools. Uh, The first day that I was on the job that had a chance to get on the road, I've hit every school in the city as our staff has as well. And then after spring practice is over, uh, when we get on the road recruiting, the first day that that is allowed on on the road, we're going to hit all 36 schools in the city of Las Vegas. I think teaching about who we are, getting to know and relationship building is the most important thing. And the only way to do that is built on time and effort. And you've got to be deliberate about it. We've got to get kids in the city on our campus as young as we can get them on our campus to see that they start thinking about and I could see myself staying home and turning this program into an elite place, which I think it will be. Um, there, there's tremendous high school co- coaches here. <laughs> Excuse me. There's great high school talent. We've got to find a way to for them to see what we are doing. And I think that's starting to happen with the number of kids that we've had come visit us during spring practice. Yeah, Coach, I think, uh, I'll tell you what, my opinion, one of the recruiting things, what you had said it was something I, I've never talked about that to this day because we were asked not to, but when we met for a luncheon, you said something, and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat one and only one thing about um, when you, when you, th- your expectations, you, you, you said, you know, we're not looking, it's not about rebuilding, it's about winning. And we're gonna we're looking to win right now. To make if you walk into my son's house and into our house and talk to my son recruit, and you say something like that, and hey, we want you to be a part of that. Meaning, we're not looking to build. So this program's great. Once you leave UNLV, you know, start. We're gonna be good while you're here, and we want you to be a part of it. And that would excite the heck out of me, especially to have my kid stay in you, stay in Las Vegas, play where I can watch and play, knowing I've got a coach that's dedicated to winning and not blowing any smoke up anybody's backside and saying, hey, we're going to win right now. I really like that. Coach, to this year's team, um, how, for you, I've gotten to watch him play here the last couple of years, and I've, thought, I've said for a while, the upside of Doug Brumfield is huge. It's immense. The guy has a body and the stature of an NFL quarterback. He's got a big arm. He is also cerebral on the field. He seems to be able to read defenses great, and he hasn't even played that much, Coach. And the fact that he's staying, that had to excite you. Absolutely. I think you look at the position of playing quarterback. It's the most important position in in all of sport. Uh, You touch the football every time. You know, the decisions that you make that that position makes uh, is so hugely important to the success of what your program is going to be. I'm excited about the progress that Doug has made this spring. I think he's got an opportunity to be a really, really good college uh, quarterback. And I think he can lead us to wins. I think he can lead us to competing for championships. We've got a number of pieces around him that, that are continuing to, to progress and elevate, and we've got to make his job easier. We've got to be able to protect him. We've got to be able to run the ball, and then our playmakers on the outside, we've got to, we've got to be able to go make plays. It starts with us as coaches being great teachers and making sure schematically we're doing the things that allows our kids to showcase their abilities and make sure that they can understand the knowledge base on what we're trying to do within the call, and then where they can go play fast and use their skills uh, it, it all goes together. So 
Uh, we're really excited about what he's done. We're excited about the quarterback position because I think we've got a couple guys there uh, that, that also can play winning football. I've, I've been fortunate over my career. I've been, I've been in positions that we've had really good quarterbacks. At Arkansas, we had K.J. Jefferson. Uh, at Missouri, I had Drew Locke. We had Blaine Gabbert. We had Chase Daniel. We had Brad Smith. We had James Franklin. I mean, there was a long list of quarterbacks. If you've got a quarterback in college football that is really good, you've got a chance in every single game. And uh, we feel like with the progress that that, that position has made, uh, we're moving in the right right direction for us to have success because of our quarterback play. Yeah, I think part of Doug's reason to stay is because of the quarterbacks you've been affiliated with over your career. Three key members of the offense have transferred to Power 5 schools. Last year's leading rusher, Aiden Robbins, Brigham Young. Your starting center, Lee Fontenot, uh, with, is at Arizona State. And a pretty damn good wide receiver in Kyle Williams goes to Washington State. Those are some big shoes to fill, Coach, and I know that has been a priority and a focus of part of going through spring camp. Are you seeing guys, and you did say that, but that are fill, that could fill those roles? Yeah, I think absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that, that I had a chance when I got the job, you know, the first day I had a press conference and I had a chance to meet my team, and I challenged all of them. I wanted every person in that room uh, to stay because if they do, then we can build something uh, tremendously special it will be the most rewarding thing that this group has done athletically up to this point in their life. Um, you know, I, I think the portal allows with with guys that have, have left, uh, you know, they made decisions for whatever the reason that they did. Um, you know, we're always going to be actively recruiting, but I, I like this current roster. I like the guys we have. We'll probably add a couple more pieces here before uh, we kick things off in, in August, but, but also look at the core group of the guys that have really bought the program since we started. I'm sure excited about what they've done. Well, excited to see what's going to happen down the road. I know that a big focus is on defense. Uh, defense, you know, the old adage and old cliche, oldest cliche in sports, defense wins championships. And I know that is your focus there, getting guys in the right positions on defense. Coach, I'll let you go after this one. What should we expect to see, uh, maybe not this Saturday in spring train, it's, uh, spring camp, I mean, it's too early, but what do you expect us to see next fall? I mean, you start off, your first game might, you know, a team people might not know very much of, but right after that, you're heading to a Power 5 conference, you're going to the Big House, Michigan, you've got some big games early on your schedule. What do you expect people to see, and what do you think the, um, the, the moniker of this team is? What do you think the identity of this team, or what would you like it to be? Yeah, I'm going to go a couple different levels here. Number one, next weekend on Saturday at 1 o'clock in Allegiant Stadium, we've got our spring showcase. I would love for as many folks can get out. It's free. would love for, for people to come get a glimpse of our players and support them. Also with that, if we can make Allegiant Stadium a home field advantage for us, uh, go get your season tickets. I mean, I want to make I want to make Vegas our, our place. It's going to be a, a, a home field advantage every time we step into that arena. I also understand that we've got to give them reason to be there. And I'm excited about that challenge and opportunity. I want you, when, when you come and watch our team play, when you, when you walk away from it, uh, I want them to also, every single time that they're, they're a team, they play together, they play complimentary football, they work together, they understand the game, they play hard, they play smart, they play tough, they're disciplined, um, they play, we, we talk about all the time, playing six seconds at a time, play as hard as you can for six seconds. From the time the ball snap to the whistle blows, go play as hard as you can. Obviously, you got to score, score points on offense, take care of the football. Special teams have got to be the X factor for us. And then defensively, 
we've got to take over in the way that we swarm the football and play tough together, not give up explosive plays. All those things combined give you a chance to win football games. He is Coach Barry Odom, the new head football coach at UNLV. And uh, looking forward to this year, Coach. Like I said, there's not been very high expectations. But after seeing you, reading a lot about what you're doing there, I'm starting to have high expectations for this team. And you know what? That's a really cool and good thing. Coach, wish you nothing but the best. And I know we'll be talking to you again in the near future. Thanks, Brian. I sure appreciate it. Go Rebels. And that's uh, Coach Barry Odom again, his first year, uh, you know, years of coaching in Virginia, excuse me, at uh, Missouri, and he just got done with Arkansas. He was the assistant head coach there and uh, the, um, I believe, the linebackers coach as well. He uh, he was a middle linebacker at Missouri when he played in college. He has that mentality, and Chris, you and I got to go to that little private luncheon and got to meet Barry Odom, got to listen to him, and we both left there not moderately impressed. So I was, I will say, surprisingly impressed. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, and we'll see, right? I mean, we, we obviously we, we, we've been impressed before. We want we want to see that translate to wins on the football field. But I'll tell you, Brian, there's a lot that, that, that Barry says that you, you, you can really support. And and me being, I mean, look, this is my home. I've you lived, loved hearing the local I, talent. Thing. I, I saw, remember I, the day of the lunch. Oh, and you yeah. Loved it. I mean, look, I, I, I moved here 24 years ago yesterday. So I, I've seen a lot. I remember seeing Steven Jackson play at El Dorado High School, yeah. the, the Sun Devils. And I remember being seeing him play and be like, wow, this, this kid's really good. And then hearing that he was lightly recruited by UNLV, that was discouraging because you knew that the kid had, had talent. Even a guy like Danell Pumphrey. Yeah. How yes. does he get to San yeah. Diego State yeah. and just I mean, blow so, it up? So, I mean, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've seen some, some local kids come through. Philip Payne. Yeah. Uh, was a Western high school kid. Um, you know, there, there, there's been some other kids who've come through locally. But when you looked at last year's roster, and I don't know if it's just the way it worked out or if it was something in Marcus Arroyo's philosophy, there weren't a lot of local Vegas kids, right? Like, like if I if I'm a high school football player in Vegas and I stay and play at UNLV, I want to be playing with kids that I've played against in high school. Right, like if I'm that star player at Sierra Vista High School, I want to play against the kids I played against at Gorman. I want to play with the kids I played against at Durango, right? Because you build a relationship sure. with those other players, whether through youth football. But the other thing is, when you have local kids, you get the community involved, right? Like if you're friends with the star player at Sierra Vista and he stays at UNLV, all his friends from Sierra Vista are going to come and watch the UNLV football a- Absolutely. Game. You know, and I mean, this guy was maybe too good to go to UNLV, like maybe a Steven Jackson, but Ramadre Stevenson. I mean, my, he's my son's friend, went to Centennial High School, ends up going to Oklahoma. Now he's playing for the New England yeah, Patriots. Oklahoma has... has- Come in, and they've gotten and some, some, so many good kids out of Vegas. Yeah, you know, I mean, cherry picking. Yeah, and, I mean, Demarco Murray. There was yeah. a linebacker Reynolds a couple of years yep. ago. You got obviously you, Stevenson, and, and I and I do like Barry Odom. Like I said, in the respect that I think he may be able to accomplish some of this. He put it this way, people: it's a tall order. What is being asked to Barry Odom? This is not. This football team has never had an identity, and like I said, weren't consistent for any number of years since Harvey Hyde, when they had a couple of years of consistency and being good. I mean, Caleb Herring came out of nowhere a few years back to take this team to a bowl game when they were on their way to an abysmal season, took them to a bowl game and saved the coach's job. Yeah. And uh, Well, Caleb's and, not here, so you don't have to mention that, I, coach. Yeah, I don't have to mention the coach anymore, <laughs> give him crap. But, but, you know, I mean, the, 
bottom line is that's the last time we've seen this team even be competitive. Yeah, I mean, for look, a full I, season. I was here for the John Robinson years, and I remember the start to the John Robinson era. And unfortunately, I also remember the end to the John yeah. Robinson era. And you know, there there were some some factors behind the scenes I think that played a role in in, in Robinson's last year. Great guy, by the way, John Robinson, yeah. uh, just a legend. And for him to have coached at UNLV is is really it's cool. But, cool. And 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 but that's the last time that this school was consistently putting players yeah. in the NFL too. I mean, yeah. there were some some pretty good players that Robinson recruited that came. I mean, he didn't play in the NFL, but Jamal Brimmer was maybe the best defensive player I've seen at UNLV. But there, there was were, a, there was a presence when John Robinson yes, was yeah. here, and that's and, something and, they haven't had I, I, since. You know, Barry Odom comes in; he's got SEC experience. Yeah. He he was a head coach in the SEC. Look. I know people may look. Don't at, blame it on him that he came from the school where Desiree Reed Francois went. Yeah, to, actually, so. maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a, a good, good trade off. Right? You know, maybe hey, you know what? You take Des, we'll take we'll take hey, Barry. I'll take maybe. that trade off all every day of the weekend on Sunday. But, but you know, the thing is, I think people may look at the record and be like, oh, well, he was five hundred in the SEC. First of all, the SEC is a good conference. Yeah, like it's obviously the best conference, no and, doubt and to about go five hundred in four years. At a school like Missouri, right? It's not like he was coaching Alabama or Tennessee. I mean, he was coaching Missouri. Not a not a huge pedigree, yep. but to have success at that school, you know, maybe maybe they, maybe he didn't get a fair shake. I don't know, but but I mean, the guy you you don't become a head football coach in the SEC by being a bad coach. No, you don't. It's it, like it's like I always say about guys in the NBA. Oh, that guy's a terrible coach. Well, look at Musselman's record in the NBA. You don't get to coach in the NBA by being a bad coach. You don't get to coach in the SEC by being a bad coach. No. It's just the way it is. Yeah, this guy, this guy, like I said, there's what, a there's a pedigree. What you're going to see from Barry Odom in, in this period, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see Barry Odom. He's going to be out there. You're going to see him on the news. You're going to hear him on shows. He is going to be pumping up this university. I've already heard he's been out doing charity golf outings. Well, it's, the guy and, is and getting involved. In something that's a big change. For the past three years, we have not been used to it all. We have been, it's like it's like here, we've got the Secret Service in Vegas around our football coach because <laughs> nobody can talk to the dude. Yeah. I mean, the only time you could talk to him was at press conferences and you could just see he was salty and th- there was no place Place you could tell there was no place he wanted to be less than at a UNLV post-game press conference and having to talk to the media. And it's not like maybe we're not the greatest people to talk to, but the bottom line is that's what gets you exposure. Well, and Brian, and the you, thing is, you, you endear you yourself can, to the community, you, and the media is part of the community. You can maybe sort of get away with that if you are Nick Saban, and, and Nick Saban's not like and that. And he's not like that. Like no. I, I, I know people who've covered Alabama football and. They all tell me the same thing that Nick Bobby Saban Bowden is, is the most accessible, yeah. and so was Bobby Bowden. He was very accommodating. You yeah, saw so, the movie I, "We Are Marshall" and the young Bobby Bowden handed over his tapes for the coach watch. These were yeah. good guys. Yeah, I don't know what you know. You thought, well, maybe this guy's got something up his sleeve, and then they watch him play. It's like Jesus, what's he hiding? I mean, but, I, he wants to hide how bad they are. That's you know, why like, the, like, Arroyo I'm, wasn't letting us in. I'm excited. You know, I mean, look, it's 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 tough sledding out the gate. It was at Utah Tech, I think, to start the season. No, then you got you yeah, got it's somebody really really nobody some 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 but oh Bryant Bryant from Rhode Island yes. from Rhode Island Rhode Island Bryant I don't even know but how then, a football team then but then they you go, go right to Michigan to the, yes. and you got Vanderbilt coming Vanderbilt UTEP I mean you know how they're going to be Hawaii comes to town that should be but I mean I the always bo- love when Hawaii yeah, comes me, to town yeah me too I, I know the UNLV hates it because they'd rather go to Hawaii but uh, well not but, last year no not <laughs> well you know there's a couple years you go to Hawaii and they take a vacation real quick I want to move on but I like what I see with Barry Odom. Go ahead, Spence. Hit fact this. 
this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact. San Diego State University will play in the NCAA tournament championship game. This means that for the first time in its history, the Mountain West Conference has a representative playing for a national title. Remember when UNLV won it, they were not in the Mountain West Conference. Utah was in the whack. Yes, it was a whole different yeah. ball game. Uh, the bottom line is, it is beyond cool. Uh, could not be happier for someone like Brian Dutcher, who's been there, been an assistant. Uh, you know, no one, there was, I, I got to be honest, I never thought he'd be a head coach. I thought he was just a lifelong assistant coach. He'd followed Steve Fisher from Michigan to San Diego State, waited, 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 and got his chance. And now watching this team, I got to tell you, as fundamentally sound defensively as Steve Fisher's teams were, this team, these teams of Brian Dutcher might be better. He preaches offense, and this San Diego State team is a really good basketball team. But what they are, Chris, they are a really good coach team, a tremendous defensive team, and they've got an NBA player that didn't even show up in the regionals. They won it the last five minutes of the last game in the regionals. He wasn't even on the floor, and I'm talking about Matt Bradley. He played much better yesterday against Florida Atlantic, but it's crazy to think that they didn't lead the game to like with like seven minutes in the first half, the last lead they had until uh, um, they hit the final bucket. Butler hit the final bucket at the end of the game. I'm bummed that I missed the second half. I'm running all the rigmarole, and I missed the second game. I got them both recorded, and I'm going to watch them today. But I did watch the highlights. I did follow the game. And San Diego State just simply refused to quit and won the game. Well, you know, and and I think there's – if you watch the game, people, people are going to know what I'm talking about. The relentlessness of San Diego State grabbing – it was the same thing against Creighton, grabbing offensive rebounds and giving, giving themselves second-chance opportunities – I hate to say that they look like a team of destiny, but, I mean, the way things have kind of broken for them, Virginia losing to Furman in the first round, so they were able to avoid a team that, that plays exactly the same style of defensive basketball that they do, just with a little bit more talent. That was a big break for them, because otherwise I think they probably lose in the second round. Yeah, but, they could have. They could have but, lost again yesterday. 14 you, you, points the, down, Chris. The thing yesterday is this team does not quit. And what what I liked is, and, and Spencer showed the highlights, but the way Brian Dutcher let those kids celebrate that moment. He stayed on the sideline and he let his players run out on the floor and celebrate as a team. His humility is not an like, act. Like when it's you not. listen to him speak, it's never about him. Mm. It's always the kids. And I, what I love is he tells these, you know, if if when you come to San Diego State, if you don't play defense, you're not playing. Yeah, he said that. He made a comment that here's the deal. He does. He literally, when he is recruiting, he doesn't care how talented the kid is. He comes and he says, "Listen." I'm here in your living room because I want you to play basketball at San Diego State University. But if you don't play defense, you won't play. And I mean, that's balls to go into any house and say, look, you're going to. And it, 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 you see it on the court. Every kid on that team that's seeing the floor focuses on defense you know, first. We, we only have a, a, a few minutes or a minute to go here, but. I'm gonna, the kid for San Diego State and the kid gets no, no, no coverage at all. I think their most important player is a rope. A goop a rope. That kid, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, first of all, he makes a defensive He's play. He's relentless. He makes a defensive play at, at one end of the floor 
that leads to San Diego State having the opportunity. But he may only go for four or six points, but every basket he makes is huge, and every defensive play he makes is huge. That kid, I love watching him play. He's huge. He's huge, and you're right. And I'll say this. UConn did whatever we expected, and they beat Miami. Um, a great run for the Miami. Last year, they got to the Elite Eight. This year, they got past uh, 72-59. Chris, real quick, I'm going to tell you right now, it's David versus Goliath. I like San Diego State as a team of destiny. I just can't see them beating UConn. Well, they're they're running into a team that can play physical and has a couple big men, which is something that they haven't faced. And on a different level right and, now. And the Sonogo kid, I think, might be the best player. He, he might be the, the, you know, the Chris, player of the tournament. The entire tournament, they have been, they have been behind by 40, 47 seconds the entire They tournament. are destroying they, teams. They are just wasting teams. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank head coach at UNLV, Barry Odom, for joining the team. Spencer Ostrowski, the whiz, back at home taking care of things. Chris Chapman behind the wheels of steel here, and I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line every Sunday morning, 8 to 9. See you next week. Bye-bye.